Well, our sermon this evening will be from Matthew chapter 13. Uh, at Christ Community, we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew for some time now, and I was privileged to preach this sermon from this text uh, a few months ago at Christ Community, and I'm grateful to be able to bring this word to you tonight and pray that it would be edifying to you this evening. Uh, as we read this, we're going to read from 13.1 down to verse 23. Um, what comes immediately before this, I just want to highlight before we read this, and you can look there at the end of chapter 12, but Jesus is teaching and he begins to teach about the, the idea, the reality that his family is not merely those who are blood related to him, right? But that his family, in verse 50 of chapter 12, he says, whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And so we've gathered this evening as his family, as those who have trusted him and seek to follow him. But he introduces that family distinction, if you will, right before this passage. In a way that you can consider what we'll read this evening is that he begins to describe a family language, that there's a family lingo uh, that, that we use within the family. And uh, you can, you know, you can, might think of an inside joke or even just being around someone who, a family who speaks some other language. And I've been in homes where they just speak Spanish and like, I don't have a clue what they're saying. But if you're in the family, you get it, you understand. And that's much of what Jesus will lean into in this passage. But if you would, would you stand as we read the word of the Lord? Again, from Matthew 13, verses 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart in turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. 
This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask that you would bless our hearing of it now. As Jesus just talked about, would you give us ears to hear? Lord, would you give me a mouth to speak your word faithfully? And would you increase our faith as we consider what you have given us now? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, in our current day and age, there are many people who love to type people, right? Put them in this box or that box. And you might think that, well, there's the type of people who like to type people and categorize them, and then there's the type of people who don't like to do that. You might think of uh, things like introverts versus extroverts, right? Myers-Briggs and, and letters that seek to dis- describe who you are. You, could, you, you know, We could put artsy people over here, math and science people over here. Uh, it's not a new thing. This has been going on for a long time. You can think zodiacs, horoscopes, birth months, birth order, right? People across time and culture have sought to kind of put people in boxes. I think part of the reason we do that is we're trying to explain who we are and why we do what we do. Right? We, we want to be able to label somebody in a way that explains why they react that way. Or why do I do this when this happens to me? Well, maybe I can explain it with this type or this categorization, this box. And so I want to ask you, how many types of people are there in the world? How many different categories, how many different types of people are there? I think so too. And so I'll tell you two stories. Uh, Before I was an associate pastor at Christ Community, I worked in college ministry at ETSU. I did that for about a decade had a lot of conversations, but I want to tell you about two of them. One was a guy I met named Matt. I met him, shoot, it's probably been close to eight years at this point. Uh, but met him then, and the first conversation I had with this guy was incredible. I just, just kind of met him randomly, but we began to talk. And in that first conversation, he was opening up and, and sharing things that were going on deep inside of his heart that he wasn't telling people who were close to him. And he told me that first meeting that he had struggled with severe depression for going on a decade. But not many people in his life knew that. But in that first meeting, he was open. He, he was very open about his struggles, about his, his depression, about the things that he was wrestling with. As we continued to talk, I got the opportunity to, to share the gospel with him. I to tell him who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. And I began to think, Maybe God will use this seed, right? Maybe God will use this in Matt's life and bring him to faith. And so I met with Matt several times over the the coming weeks. And we continued to talk. We continued to talk about life, but also about the gospel. And I remember one day, about a month or so after we first met, sitting with him, and he actually, he spoke the gospel back to me. 
I mean, it was it was clear. He understood it. It, it, was, it was great. I mean, it, was, it was what I had shared with him, but he, he, he understood it. He knew it, but he didn't believe it. He had a clear grasp of what the gospel was, but he was actually offended by it. He was offended by the fact that we had to, we, 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 that God would say we have to be rescued and that we can't contribute. We don't bring something to the table. He didn't like that idea. He was offended that grace and sal- or salvation was gracious, that it was free. Let me tell you about another student. Met him maybe a year or two after. His name is Damien. And similar beginning to the story, met him, talked with him, got to know about his life, got to share the gospel with him. He understood the gospel. He would articulate the gospel back to me, but there was a difference. Damien, when he heard the gospel, he believed it. He, he latched on in faith to Jesus and over the next couple of years that he was at ETSU, I got to meet up with him every week or two and walk with him and help him learn how to put one foot in front of the other and walk by faith with the Lord. Why the difference? Why did Matt respond this way? Why did Damien respond this way? I can tell you from meeting with them, they didn't hear something different. The same gospel came to both of them. They didn't... Um, wrestle with something different. It was the same message that came to them, but there was something different in their hearts that dictated how they responded. And so I want to ask you to think about this personally in your life as well. Right? You can think about people around you. I'm sure that there's some who you have seen embrace the gospel, right? embrace Jesus in faith, but then there's others who have not, or others who have just rejected it or others who have walked away. But why? Right? Why do some people in our lives get it and turn to Jesus and others don't? Right? Why has this child faithfully walked with Jesus while this child has turned away and walked away from him? Or why has this parent or sibling embraced Jesus when they heard the gospel? And this one responded very differently. What is it that makes this distinction? Well, if you look at our passage for tonight, this passage begins uh, really a chapter of parables. This, this entire chapter of chapter 13 is different parables that Jesus will give. And in verses 1 to 9, Jesus gives the parable of the sower. And if, if you notice at the beginning of that, in verse 1 and 2, He's at the sea, and it's with great crowds. So that's who he gives the parable to, these these great crowds who have gathered about him. But then if you look at verse 10, there's a a shift. Verse 10, it says, the disciples come to him and ask a question about the parable. So there's this follow-up question, but it's a different scene. It's a private conversation of Jesus with his disciples. And that goes through the end of the chapter. So they'll get first in 10 to 17, really, Jesus is teaching in general about parables. There's much he just has to say in general there. But then in verse 18 to 23, what he closes this passage with is a specific explanation of what he taught to the crowds. And so we're going to follow, well, we're not going to follow that order. We're going to start uh, in verse 10 to 17, see what Jesus says about parables in general. And then we're going to look at this parable in specific. So again, verse 10 the crowds come to, or sorry, the disciples come to Jesus and say, Why do you speak to them in parables? Why, why do you use these stories? Why do you use these 
pictures? Why are you speaking this way and teaching this way to the crowds, Jesus? The answer that Jesus gives may or may not be what we expect. So let's hear what he has to say. The fundamental reason that Jesus says he teaches in parables is because there's two types of people in the world. So whoever said two earlier, I think you're on the same page as Jesus here. He says that there's those who get it and those who don't get it. There's those who have ears to hear and those who don't have ears to hear. And so in verse 11, and then again in verse 13, Jesus gives two reasons. He uses the word because. You can see that in verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables, because. In verse 11, it doesn't show up in the ESV, but the same Greek word that's because in 13 shows up in verse 11. And I think it's helpful to see it there. It says, He answered them because to you it has been given to know. So Jesus gives two answers to their question. So first in verse 11, He says, Because to you it has been given, but to them it has not been given. That's why I speak in parables. So Jesus speaks in parables because there are many who've not been given access. They don't have the code. They don't understand the language that Jesus is saying. And so Jesus teaches this way. In fact, Jesus says that teaching in parables even takes away from the one who has not. Right? Verse 12. So as Jesus proclaims the coming of the kingdom of God through parables, understanding of His teaching is not given to all. There's some who simply will not understand it because it's not given to them. And so we could say that parables have a concealing function. Or they conceal truth, they conceal the gospel from those who have not been given ears to hear, those who don't get it. But then he goes on, verse 13, and gives his second reason. So this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And this is where his language is beginning to borrow from what we read in Isaiah 6 earlier. So Jesus speaks to them in parables because they already don't get it. They already have hard hearts and blind eyes and deaf ears. D.A. Carson puts it this way. Jesus does this because people are spiritually insensitive. They're already like this way, so Jesus teaches that way. When Isaiah was commissioned in Isaiah 6, what we read earlier, right? Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And then right, it's not exactly, if we were in Isaiah's shoes, not exactly the next, you know, how the Lord responds is not what we would probably want to hear comes next. God says that, well, you're going to go and give a message, but they're going to hear, but never understand. They're going to see, but not perceive. They, they've got dull hearts, right? That the message is going to be hidden from them. He says they won't hear, they won't turn, they won't repent or else I would heal them, but they aren't going to do it. So Jesus says in his teaching context that the same applies today for them. We think the same is true today, right? In our, in our context, there are people who are spiritually insensitive, who have dull hearts, who will not receive what God gives. And so while the first reason we could say that Jesus says uh, parables have a concealing function, the second reason is that parables have a judging or a, a, a judgment function. Right? They conceal from those who don't hear, but they're also a sign of judgment upon them, that they don't get access because they've closed their hearts. And they, they don't believe, and so what little they have is taken away. 
And so as Jesus teaches on this, you'll notice that God's sovereignty over hard hearts, or for those who don't get it, really has no tension with the personal responsibility of those who have those hard hearts. Right? We see both in this passage. Those who don't get it can't hear their own sinfulness, but also those who don't hear haven't been given access, which illustrates God's sovereignty. We see both sides of the coin at play in this passage. And so Jesus tells us that he teaches in parables for really these negative reasons towards those who don't get it. But he says more. There's some positive reasons for those who do get it, for those who do have ears to hear. And if, if you would count yourself among those people, it's not because we're smarter. It's not because we've worked harder. It's not because we figured out something that somebody else didn't figure out. It's not because we have some social power influence that made God look upon us and think they'd be good to have on my team. No, we wouldn't get it unless God gave it to us. And so if you look at verses 11 and 12, verse 11, Jesus says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12, To the one who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. So why do you get it? Why do I have ears to hear? Why do you have ears to hear? Simply because God in his kindness has chosen to give that to you. Not because we were worthy, not because we did something somebody else did, but because God has given that knowledge to us. Now, if you look verse 11 again, what Jesus says here is, he says to you, it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now, that, that word secret is an important word throughout the scriptures, commonly refers to God revealing or concealing his redemption and his purposes. So he's giving the secret, he's revealing what he's doing in redemption, what he is accomplishing in his divine purposes. And so as Jesus says this, right, Jesus is the king who's come on the scene. There's some who see that. There's some who embrace Jesus and look to him in faith, even while he's walking on this earth. But then there's many who look at him and they don't see him. They don't know who he is. It's concealed from them. So there's some who are given access to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, knowing that the king has come and his kingdom has begun to reign. And there's some who don't get that. And so while many are hard-hearted like those in Isaiah's day, all who are disciples of Jesus get to hear Jesus's words, get to understand what Jesus teaches about the kingdom because God has given us ears to hear because God has softened our hearts, because God has opened our eyes that we would actually perceive. So we have body parts that function because God has made them that way. And so Jesus teaches in parables to give, his, to, give to his people, but also to take away from those who are not his people. Right? It's a, a sort of coded language that those who understand it, it means so much, right? And if, if you think about uh, us as believers, right, as we talk with each other, Believers tend to love Jesus' parables. They tend to be like part of Scripture that we enjoy. We, we understand that they're helpful. But we don't only understand that they're kind of a, a neat way to talk, but they actually nourish our faith. Non-believers, they might understand the surface of the parable. And it's, it's not that complex of a message, what he's saying in this parable. They might get that part of it, but the underlying spiritual message of what Jesus is actually teaching, they will miss because it's not given to them, because they have hard hearts and closed eyes. 
they don't get the coded message. So if you come back to my opening stories about Matt and Damien, right, what was the difference between Matt and Damien? Well, we could say it in, in two different ways. In one way, we could say, well, to Damien, God had given access to know. He had given body parts that work. And to Matt, God had not given them. At least not at that point. But we could also say that Damien had a soft heart. He had open eyes. He embraced Jesus in faith and Matt was stubborn and he was stuck in that stubbornness. And we can look at it from both angles. So parables, Jesus says, are given to reveal for those who have ears, but they're given to conceal for those who don't. And for those who have working ears, Jesus in verse 18 says, hear then the parable of the sower. Much like he said in verse 9 as he finished the parable, when he said, he who has ears, let him hear. So if we have ears, if we've been given ears, we're supposed to use them. They're not just given to us just because God thought it would be neat for us to have ears. He's given them to us so that we would use them to hear and so that we would be nourished in our faith. So Jesus is going to explain the parable of the sower to his disciples from verse 18 to verse 23. Again, it's not an overly complex parable, but we need to consider what he says. And he talks about a sower. Well, Jesus is the sower. He's the one who's going out with the word of God and casting that seed. He's sowing that seed upon soil. And he's going to talk about four different soils. We could say there's four soils, but another way we could really just say there's two. There's, there's one soil that doesn't produce fruit. There's one that does produce fruit. And the difference in the whole parable, the, the distinction between fruitfulness or unfruitfulness is what's in the soil. What is in someone's heart? Is it open or is it closed? That makes all the difference. And so let's first look at the three. Again, they're, they're all, we can lump them all together as those who don't produce fruit, but let's take them one by one. So first, in verse 19, there are those who are attacked spiritually. And those who are attacked by spiritual forces. This person hears the word, but does not understand it, is what Jesus said. They're like those in Isaiah's day. They have hard hearts. They don't get it. The gospel comes to them, maybe even multiple times, but it seems to hit this impenetrable wall. And it doesn't break through into their hearts that they don't believe. Jesus says that Satan and his demons attack. Right? The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So Satan is active to be at work to blind their hearts and to keep them blind and to keep them from believing the gospel. So there's spiritual attack. Secondly, verse 20, we see those who are uprooted by difficulty. And this is what's sown on rocky ground. Now they, to appearances, seem to hear. They seem to believe. They seem to come to, to, come to faith in Christ with Joy is what we see in verse 20. Yet verse 21, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while until tribulation, persecution, difficulty arises on account of the word, and immediately he falls away. So this person seems to come to know the Lord, but has no depth in himself. And the trials that come at those of the faith knock, knock, knock this one off course. You can think of people in my life that this seems to describe, maybe you can too. There's people that 
in the first weeks, months, maybe even years that you know them, they've, they've seemed to come to the Lord, but as time goes on, maybe it's trials or something else, has seemed to cause them to walk on a different path, cause them to abandon the Lord. Part of what Jesus is telling us here is it does take time to tell what that soil is really like. Right? A, a bad soil can still produce a little bit of something, but it's not going to last. Well, we move on to the third one in verse 22. This is the one who is, the, the growth is choked out by a heart for the world, by a love for the world. This person also hears the word like the other soils, but any growth the gospel would have is choked out by a, a craving, a desire for what is in the world. Jesus says the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and prove it unfruitful. So if the second soil is, is thrown off by difficulty, the third soil is thrown off by pleasure, by comfort, by ease. They chase after that and don't stay on the path. All the allure of the world chokes out belief in the gospel, whether it's worldly riches, worldly comforts, whether it's lustful sensuality and bodily cravings, whether it's cares for social standing, craving for others' approval, applause, accolade. There's, there's many things that this world will throw at believers, throw at those who have heard the word. But for this third soil, they chase after those things instead of clinging to God. So there's three soils, but there's one problem. Like I said, these aren't so much three different types of people as they might be three different versions of one type of person. Because this one type of person is the type of person who hears but doesn't understand. Who hears but doesn't really hear. Right? All three in, in the parable, all three hear the Word of God. They have the seed sown in them, yet it proves unfruitful because the soil isn't right. Because their heart is not receptive to the Gospel. So these different soils illustrate for us also that there's different enemies to the Gospel. There's not just one enemy that we have to be concerned with. There's spiritual forces. right? Satan and his demons seek to knock people off the path all the time. That's, that is their job. That is their passion. But there's also just difficulties of life. Jesus tells us that we will have trials. That this life will include suffering and difficulty. So that's the, the second enemy. The third enemy is the world and the allures. right? The, the, the lust of the flesh. The desires that lay out there that the world calls to our hearts with. So that's the three, but finally let's look at the one. If you turn to verse 23, the fourth soil, the good soil. He is the one who hears the word, but there's a difference. Verse 23, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. Not only hear it, doesn't only go in his ear, but it actually goes into his heart and he understands it with belief. This person believes the gospel and the seed of the gospel is sown and finds fertile soil where it can grow. And so he, indeed's bear, he indeed bears fruit. He yields a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. So where life takes root, right, where the gospel takes root, where takes root, life will spring up. The life of the gospel bears fruit in this person's life. There's really not another option. If it's a good seed and good soil and it's nourished, growth is going to happen. It's automatic at that point. So four, four soils receive seed, but only one 
is fruitful. And it's all about hearing and understanding. It's about having a heart that believes what has been given. So where, the, where belief is and where the gospel comes, there will be life. And so before you consider others, let me ask you just to consider yourself first. Which soil are you? Right? Which of these four soils describes your heart? We, we have to start there as we consider what Jesus teaches in this parable. Right? When you hear God's word, when you have heard God's word, when you continue to hear God's word, do you believe it? Another way to say that is when God's word comes to you, does it find fertile, fertile soil in which to grow. It's not just enough to hear the word. Right? All four of these soils hear the word. All sorts of people hear God's word. But when we hear God's word, do we believe it? Or are we cast off by spiritual attack, difficulty, and a love for the world? And for, the, for you who do believe, right? you who are the good and fruitful soil, why is that so? We've already seen it in what Jesus says. If you look back at verse 11, again, he tells us, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So why do you have a heart that is receptive to the gospels? Because Jesus has given you that. But if we think about this parable, I want you to consider how would these soils describe your heart were it not for Jesus giving you a different heart? Right? Were it not for Jesus, how many times would Satan have successfully attacked you and snatched the word away from you? If God hadn't given you a new heart with good soil, how many times would Satan have, had, have successfully attacked you? Or how many times already would you have been uprooted by the difficulties of life? If not for Jesus. If it weren't for Jesus, how often would you have wandered away to chase the pleasures that this world throws at us? Were it not for Jesus giving you a new, soft, believing heart, were it not for Jesus giving you fertile soil, we would be described by those first three. Probably all three of them. They would all fit us. But praise be to God that Jesus is in the business of changing the soil of our hearts. Right? That Jesus has that power and that Jesus does that. God promised this way back in Deuteronomy 30 verse 6. He says, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart so that you will love Him with all your heart and soul. Right? God is going to do something in our hearts and there's a result of that so that we will love Him, so that we will receive His Word. We see this displayed if you consider the story in Acts 17 when Paul goes to Philippi and he meets a woman named Lydia and Paul's doing what sowers do. He's just casting the seed and he's throwing on all sorts of different soil, but as he does that, one of those seeds falls on Lydia. And in Acts 16, we read, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. We could put it in other terms. God gave her good soil in her heart so that that seed could find a place to be planted and bear fruit. You can imagine having a troublesome plant at home and knowing that it needs new soil and just telling the plant to change its soil. You wouldn't get very far. But you could go change the soil for that plant so that it could grow up. Right? We can't change our own soil. We can't change our hearts. 
But Jesus has cut away that stubbornness. He's given us eyes to see. He's given us hearts to believe. He's given us ears to hear. And so this parable doesn't mean that right, any of us are going to perfectly understand or that you will understand every ounce of what Scripture teaches. But be encouraged, and, and, and be encouraged even as we consider this story, that the disciples, right, they come to Jesus with their questions all the time. Right? They, they need continue, continual teaching from Him. The point isn't that we will perfectly understand. The point is that those with ears to hear will continue to hear more. We'll continue to be eager to hear more. We'll continue to grow in our understanding of what God has given us and that we'll continue to bear fruit. Right? That's Jesus' promise here in verse 23. Where the seed is planted, it will indeed bear fruit. So if you're a believer, if you've received the word, fruit will happen in your life. Now, some of you don't need me to convince you of that. Some of you, maybe, you hear me say that and you think, well, I've got 10 different reasons where I can tell you this area of my life where I'm not seeing fruit, this area of my life where I wish I had been sanctified more, this area of my life and this relationship where I'm still acting in sin and I wish I wasn't. And that might be true. But sometimes we need people around us who can see when there's fruitfulness in our lives, even when we can't see it. Right? Sometimes somebody else can see that in some ways that we can't. But be encouraged that Jesus promises there will be fruitfulness. Right? If we cling to Him, if we continue to receive His Word, He will bear fruit. Well, let me close with just three areas of application for you. First is about hearing. Right? As I said, if Jesus has given you ears to hear, He didn't just do that because He thought you'd look good with ears. He gave you ears so that you would hear. And so we should use our ears to hear and we should work diligently to understand and to hear God's Word. Right, so as you gather here week by week, right, as, as Pastor Richard brings the Word to you week by week, come diligently. Right, come prayerfully and diligently to hear the Word of God preached to you. As you're in your homes, individually or with your family, right, may the Word of God be a steady diet that you listen to day by day and week by week. Right, may you teach your children. May you talk with your friends about the Word of God. We, we have to work hard at listening. I think part of what this, this parable teaches us is that Christianity is fundamentally a religion of word. It's a religion of communication. Right? God is a God who communicates. He speaks. And if He's a God who speaks, that means our job is to listen. So if you've got ears, listen. And you can think about the three soils, the first three soils. Uh, again, if, if, if you believe the gospel, you're the fourth soil, but... You're not the first three, but those first three can, can still give us a glimpse into the challenges we face. Right? We might say, well, I'm, I am the fourth soil because I've embraced Jesus, but I can still see some of that third soil. Or I can still see some of that second soil that's still lingering in my heart. So I want you to consider those three challenges. I want to ask you to think, which of the three enemies of the word is most combative against you right now in this season of life? Right? Is, it, is it Satan? Like, Do you sense and, and, and just know that Satan is, is actively at work to keep you and to fight against you from hearing God's Word? Right? Is that the, the biggest attack on your life right now? Maybe it's the second one. Maybe it's there, there's difficulties in life that you don't want to face. 
And you know that whenever you actually follow what Jesus says, there's going to be difficulties that come. So maybe it's difficulties that seek to keep you from hearing more. Or maybe it's the third soil. Maybe it's a love for the world, a love for pleasure, a love for comfort, a love for ease, a love for whatever the world offers. And that's what is presenting the biggest challenge to you to hearing. But just consider which of those three is most combative against you in this season. Second thing is to think about sowing. So Jesus is the sower in this parable. He's the the master sower. He's the one who's casting the seed. But we get to be in in on the family business. right? That's what Jesus is about. Then that's what we get to be about. We get to sow seed. We get to cast the seed. And as we do that, we don't know what kind of soil we're casting it on, usually. (laughs) Sometimes you might get a glimpse. But we're to cast the seed broadly, right? We're to speak the gospel to all sorts of people, right? There are many people, and if you just think personally, there are people in each of our lives that we have connection to. Maybe they're family, maybe they're friends, maybe they're neighbors, maybe they're coworkers. But there are people that you know that I, I, I will never meet. There are people that you know that somebody else in this room will never meet. But God has you in that person's life. And you may have an opportunity to cast the seed, to sow the seed, on their soil. The second thing is, I encourage you as you can, as you interact with non-believers in your life, you can cast that seed, but you also know that you can invite them here, where you know the seed will be sown every week, right? Where where you know the the, the word will be preached, and that they will get to hear the word. You don't know what it's going to do in their life. That's not our job. We can't make them receive it, but we can put them in a place or invite them to a place where we know they're going to hear and pray that God would do something. That's the third thing. The final thing I want to close with is consider how this parable should move us to prayer. This parable confronts us with with our powerlessness. Right? I, I can't change my own heart. I wish I could change my heart a lot of times. I wish I could change the soil that's in there, but I can't even do that, let alone someone else's. Or is that thing about my daughters at home? Is that thing about some neighbors that live down the street from me? Is that thing about some family members that, that I've got who aren't walking with the Lord? Man, I, I wish I could just change their hearts. Wish I had that power at times. But I don't. I'm powerless. Right? I can preach the gospel to them. But... As you think about those people in your life, people that you can't change their soil, the reality is we know the one person who can change their heart. We know the one being in the entire universe who actually has the power to overcome their stubbornness, to give them eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to believe. So what should we do with that? We should pray. We should pray. We should plead with our Lord God, please give him ears to hear. God, please open the eyes of his heart like you did for Lydia. We should come often and frequently and eagerly to our God, asking him to open the eyes of the hearts of people around us. Let me pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you that you've given us ears to hear And we thank you that you have brought the gospel to us. Lord, you are kind, you are good, and you have done a mighty work 
to die for us and then to send your spirit into our hearts so that we might look upon Jesus in love and faith. Lord, we pray for those who walk in darkness around us that you would open their eyes and that you would bring them to faith as well. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.